Hello, and welcome to this week's The Proteomics Show. This is season two of a special limited series called The Faces of US Hupo, sponsored by US Hupo. Hi, I'm Ben Osborne, and I'm here with Dr. Benjamin Neely. And this week featured Dr. Tanya Zezeki, who's an associate professor and director of the Basbrick Center at East Carolina University. Yeah, really cool. She does fun work studying how proteins wiggle and move around and interact with each other. That's her phrases. And she also runs a core that literally offers everything. So enjoy. Hello and welcome, Tanya. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. All right. So normally we have guests that I don't think we maybe have spent as much time with, but we definitely got to meet you and hang out in Chicago. That was pretty cool. But you're not in Chicago. Just, just let's like get the lay of the land. Where are you? Like just geographically. So so I am in Greenville, North Carolina, as opposed to Greenville, South Carolina. Everybody likes to get the two mixed up. Um, so if you're thinking on a map of North Carolina, we are smack dab in between Raleigh and the coast. So we are like 90 miles away. So I'm at East Carolina University, Brody School of Medicine. Um, cool. Yep. So it's a nice little small um, medical school, um, not too far away from UNC, NC State, um, and like Duke. So we're about hour away from them. And like I said, about an hour and away from the coast, which is really nice too. But, but how far are you from south of the border? Oh, south of the border. So we're about (laughs) (laughs) super local here. Right. Right. Super. So we're about four. We're about four hours. Oh, my God. You're really far from Pedro. It's like right in the middle. It's like we're right in the middle. Right. So North Carolina is that really long state. Everybody forgets Mm. how long it is. Yeah. Um, Not so much what like tall, but long. So, yeah, we're about four hours, maybe. You're you're on the coast. Let's just call you coastal ish. We get an hour. We get hurricanes. We got to yeah. worry about hurricane stuff. I feel you. So yeah. close enough, uh, I guess. So yeah, we're we're coastal-ish. Um, so yeah, that's that's where we are. We are not in Chicago now. <laughs> I'm from that area. Yeah, not- that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, you've got some. Uh, yep. Okay, like yep. you're from, but are you from Chicago or you're just from that part uh, of the country? So I'm from the Midwest. I grew up in suburbs of Milwaukee. Um, so oh, like, yep, towns. yep, grew up in the suburbs of Milwaukee. Went to undergrad and grad school there. Um, so I did my PhD at Marquette University in Milwaukee in inorganic chemistry. So I was an organometallic uh, chemist. So I had nothing to do with proteins. Um, never touched a protein till I did my postdoc. Uh, which was in Madison. So I went 90 miles north and did a postdoc with Mo Cleland. Um, so Cleland's reagent, DTT, that's right. who I postdoc with and did steady state kinetics and worked on proteins there. And then went from the Midwest straight down here. So went total Midwest to Southern um, in 2012. 12, yeah. 2012, I came down here, then I started my lab uh, as an assistant professor here in Brody. So went straight Midwest, came down South. And why does everything start with an M? 
I Milwaukee mean, to Marquette to Madison. Did you just not find a M word and just easier to keep track of? <laughs> I mean, it really was right. <laughs> I had so much stuff to keep track of all the time. It was just that yeah. so much easier. Just so keep... buy, like, the t-shirts and the gear. Just <laughs> right. weren't the same, but you could keep the same like initial things and and Sorry. a lot. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I never realized Madison, Marquette, yeah, yeah. So it worked. It worked. Now we're at Brody, though. So go up in the alphabet, get a little higher. And and, and what what's your title now? And our titles. Titles, right. So I'm an associate professor um, in the Department of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology. Plus, I also am director of our mass spec uh, core facility. So I do both. Um, so I have my own academic research lab, plus uh, do the teaching um, here at the med school, a little bit in the dental school. And then uh, in all my other free time, I run our core facilities as well. So we have uh, for service uh, core facilities that we do proteomics, metabolomics, lipidomics, and structural proteomics as well. Um, so we do all of that. So I have a dual role here at the university. So, yeah, so just a couple of things. <laughs> just a few. Just a few on the side, you know, just when we okay. have that. All right. But, and so before we get to that, it's Dr. Tanya Zez, Zek Zes Kezret. <laughs> you want to try that one again? Let's try that again. Okay. I had Zek Zez Kezret. <laughs> <laughs> okay, maybe maybe help us with it. So so it's Zazeki. 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 Very good. It's it's exactly how it looks. Z Wait, what? Zazeki. Zek. Zazeki. Okay. Yep. No. See, when you see it in here, it's not that bad. Yeah, I know. Okay. And maybe it's just that there's some letters swapped in your, uh, in your email address. <laughs> there is like, a T. So the way it is, it's like Zizeki T. So that's how I uh, okay. put that T at the end. It always Imagine the T. Got it. So, okay. Well, it was with, with, uh, Col Col Colonia. Oh God. Well, I got that one all the, I already know that's wrong, but yeah, we had, um, we had a guest, a couple over and it's like, it wasn't what we thought it should be. And so we had to like call them again, like 10 minutes later be like, how do you say your name again? And I won't even go into Burgett because I'm just, that's, I'm wrong. Yeah. It's one of those names that when anybody calls it or tries to say it, there's this pause, like anywhere you hear Tanya and there's this long pause and you're like, yep, that's me. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'm here. So um, so, so we should, I guess we, as we're like easing into this intro 10 minutes late. So I, I have to, I have to say lots of last names when I do the, the lightning talk with um, Renee's been my MC co-host. Mm -hmm. It is ridiculous because like, you're just destroying people's names. Like they should just call it like, would you like to see last names murdered? I'm here. <laughs> like, because the moment you start getting out of like most names, like you start getting into any other nationalities or backgrounds, like I'm screwed. Um, I don't think I had to say yours, Saseki. Um, but the reason that you're here today is yeah. because we were in the faces of USUPO and you won the the lightning talk, the the day day two lightning talk. Yeah. So I mean, I know we're we're gonna get back to all the things you do, but 
in addition to all the billions of things you just listened, list, listed, you also can write a limerick. Like that was a legit limerick. Yep. Yeah. Right. It was, it was, um, a little insane. Um, <laughs> it was, well, it was a little insane that, uh, the limerick won, first of all, and it was the whole lightning talk. So, so I'm going to out myself here a little bit. That was the first U.S. people I had been at. And um, and Ben, you and I were talking a little bit about these lightning talks because I had no idea what to do or what to expect. And you had said, you know, got to be creative, points for creativity. And I think John Yates was kind of egging it on too a little bit on Twitter X, whatever the heck it's called now, what whatever. And, you know, we were going on with the interpretive dance and, and everything like that. <laughs> and, 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 and it was like, okay, got to bring the big guns, got to do something. And with only a minute, it was like, well, we're going to have to go bold or go home. <laughs> um, and it was also thinking, well, nobody really knows me here. So if it's a tremendous flop, they're just going to be like, well, whoever that messed up last name is, we don't even remember and know who this is, so it's fine. Um, so, but it turned out uh, obviously yeah. to do really well because I ended up walking away with day two um, of you know winning the lightning talks with the limericks. So, I yeah, it worked. It worked somehow. <laughs> I, I really think that there's this. this ongoing theme with with us hoopa right now with uh, a lot of the people that we end up talking to just in general where it's like hey i haven't been going to this forever mm-hmm. right? and i think it's really exciting now and i think well i i don't know how last year stacked up but i know that it sold out right that right. it was it was a big conference and i think that a lot of people right is, is that that it's a growing organization i it was here in DC and I kept forgetting that it was actually a thing. And so I was in DC. I was right in Columbia that day and I didn't even go, right? Because I didn't know about it. <laughs> so, and that was that was just like two or three years ago. It uh, it was so much fun. Um I I so I love I like the smaller conferences. I love I don't like these big like ACS conferences or the big huge these, these huge conferences where you get lost in and there's 10 sessions going on at once and you never know where to go. So I really like these smaller conferences. Yeah. I have not been to a conference where I walked in and knew very few people and I left and felt like I knew everybody. Um, it, it was such a, it was, the community always seems to me like they don't eat their young. Um, and I know that sounds, but that's, that's kind of like the best way to put it, right? Is like everybody is so willing to help you out. Everybody's so interested in what you're doing and wants to hear how you're doing it or, or just interested in your science and, and what are you doing this time or your new techniques or, or how you're applying things. And if you're struggling with something, they're so willing to share, you know, protocols and, and techniques. And it was just this kind of refreshing uh, you yeah. know, place to be. And it, it quickly added to like the list of, okay, see, this, these are the conferences I need to go to. Um, and I was, I was so excited when I got back, like I was excited when I was there um, besides the pizza crawl and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> that we did. But it was, it was so, 
like rejuvenating to be there and exciting to be in that atmosphere. Um, it, it was just a lot of fun um, to see everything and to talk, start talking to people and making a lot of new connections with people. Yeah, no, that's why well, I, I can't imagine missing it now. Yeah. This is, that was only my second one, but yeah. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. Oh, but, but yeah, I was going to segue into research cause that's where we were, but, but you have some. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean the only, I mean, for me, I think too, it's and and you, you're going to get into your research, but like, I know I'm in a smaller place. That's not necessarily like the center of the world mm-hmm. and, you know, feeling, establishing that community like helps, right? Like it, it helps your, you know, you, you meet the people behind the, the papers, you realize like they're probably not blowhards. Um, you know, you do, it, it makes life easier. I'm not saying US Hupo is like the answer to all life's problems, but finding, I think finding the communities, whatever those are is, is really helpful. And, and like you're saying, like, I didn't know about this thing and they've obviously been going just fine before, you know, we discovered it, but it, it feels good. And it helps, it helps professionally. Um, and psychologically, we were, we were talking about this before we got on the call, right? Like you have to like maintain your psyche and, yep. and, and that helps. So, cause anyways, but yeah, so Ben lead yeah. in, go for oh, it. Yeah. Okay. So what, what is your research about? So, um, we, our lab besides, well, so our lab has really started focusing now on looking at neurodegenerative diseases. Um, so that's, that's kind of our broad focus. Um, I'm, I'm a, at heart, a biophysical chemist. I'm, I'm an enzymology biophys person. Um, I like to see how proteins wiggle and move around and interact with each other. And so really going that neurodegenerative route looking at things like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, um, even, you know, MS to a point, um, really kind of appealed to, from a selfish reason, what we're, you know, what I really like doing. But what we, what we're doing and what we're, what we're really focusing on is trying to figure out why, um, we have proteins like alpha-synuclein or tau or alpha-beta amyloid. These all have a function. We need them. We need these proteins. And, and we're trying to figure out why all of a sudden they go rogue, right? Why all of a sudden do these proteins that we need all of a sudden turn into proteins that are disease-associated? Why do some people get Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and other people don't? Um, so, so that's really where our lab has kind of turned its focus to. Um, and so we use a lot of, we've been really focused on kind of that, the, the interface between biophysical chemistry, mass spec, um, using a lot of structural mass spec and proteomics and focused on the immune system, which I never, asking me 10 years ago, if I would have touched any immunology, <laughs> I would have looked at you and started laughing and been like, never, uh, I'm don't want to go down that route. Um, but that's where kind of the science has taken us and kind of starting to look at these diseases is almost like an autoimmune disease potentially. Um, and seeing if those proteins are really acting as like an immune signal, um, and kind of kicking up immune responses in the gut, um, or in peripheral immune, um, like a chronic inflammation and peripheral immune injuries. And so, so that's really where like my day-to-day research is worked focused on. 
Um, so, so that's where we were starting, or we've been working on it since I got tenure, um, because I can do the high risk stuff now. Um, so that's really been where we've been working for the past probably two, three years, um, moving away from some of the safer things we were doing before with metabolism things and now really focusing now on this neurodegenerative immune response in the gut. Um, and, and how does this all start? Wow. Okay. This sounds really interesting. Um, I don't even know where you get started with that kind of thing. Like use animal models or? Um, so we use uh, recombinant proteins. So, so yeah. So a lot of our work is, it, it's two different, we, we, we do two different things. We work a lot with recombinant proteins. So we make a lot of our proteins in bacteria. Um, and since we're looking at the gut, um, we use a lot of those recombinant proteins and then kind of tease it out how those interact with, bacteria. Um, so, so we're kind of probing that interaction in one area. Um, we have some collaborators because I'm not a cell person. I don't do cell culture work. Um, anytime I touch a cell culture, it automatically gets contaminated. I just look at it wrong and it does. <laughs> That's just my luck. Um, so we work with some collaborators who are actually kind enough to do the cell work and then hand it off to us to do whatever mass spec we want with it. Um, I'm much better at the mass spec work than I am the cell culture, which is kind of odd. Um, so we have a lot of collaborators who will do the cell work for us. Um, and then a lot of times with if we do need tissue and stuff for like the animal work, we go and beg and plead for people who have um, like tissue from maybe they were using, they have animal models that they were using tissue from something else. And I'll come up and say, Hey, can I um, potentially have your, you know, your intestines or your gut tissue or something? Cause they don't need it. So it saves me a lot on the husbandry costs. And it's, it's one of those models that actually like a lot of people want to use because you're using the whole animals, end, right? So you're not wasting as much. Um, so, so we don't do that work ourselves. We really find collaborators or people who are like, oh yeah, we can give you this, not a problem. We don't need it. Um, our lab really though is like recombinant stuff. Um, and then probing like the structures, like, so like doing the HDX and doing, um, a lot of the structural work, um, so playing around with mutated proteins and things. And then we just have a bunch of collaborators who are willing to send us whatever else we need, which is really cool. Yeah, no, that sounds really smart. And also, I don't think it's odd at all um, that, you know, I I think it's cell culture is so underappreciated as an art or a skill. And I, I'm the, the more I learn about it, the more concerned I am about it. The, yeah. The, you know, the protocols aren't the same and that sometimes you can't reproduce something because a different mm -hmm. person supposedly followed the exact same protocol. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, no, I think it's, yeah. uh, it's a remarkable how many variables there are there. Right. And, and we have, and we have some cell culture lines, um, uh, that are primarily here because they're the ones that survive us, but <laughs> we can keep them alive. Um, but that's, yeah, no, that's, that's super cool. Yeah. Okay. How do you juggle a core that offers everything? 
Um, <laughs> I don't know yet. Um, when I figure that out, I will tell you. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I mean, so it's been, it's been interesting. Um, it, it is, it's, I guess, so, so here it is with the, with the core that offers everything. I didn't know most cores didn't do that. Um, I, and so that's been my running theme with mass spec is I didn't know what the rules were. So I don't know. I can't break them. If that. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you know, it, it is one of those we, we do, we don't come from a place of no. Um, if there are things that we can't do that I know just like, we do not have the bandwidth nor the right instrumentation to do imaging, right? So that's something like I know we just cannot do. And that's when I'm, you know, emailing people and trying to set my my folks up with the right people to do. Um, but if it's it's something I know we can do and we can handle, it's it's we we just fit it all in and we we let people know this is where we're doing. Um, a lot of our my PIs that come to me and a lot of the people that come to me and help, we have students that we train on sample prep. We have students that we're training on how to do their data analysis. And I'm a really big like believer in having them learn what they're doing with us. Um, I think if you're gonna, you know, put some ass back and have that your name as a student on the papers or or have you you should have some understanding of what's going on. And I think that that's been a really big help. Um, just kind of juggling that all and being able to train them to do that because they get that education, that understanding, and then we get that hands going on. And I know it's done, you know, what we need to have it done right to get into the to the core right and the samples right. Um, that and we have really understanding PIs who just love having the mass spec and having the chance to be able to have those. Um, that type of experiments going with their with their science and answering their questions. Wow. Um, so, so it sounds really collaborative. It is. Yeah. Um, and and I, I've we've made we've really tried to make sure that that it is collaborative. Um, you know, at the university and with the infrastructure we have set up. Um, in that, what I think I, my my thoughts when we were running a mass spec core is that it needs to be too because i think a lot of times people don't always know what they necessarily want um they know and then they they know technically maybe they've read a paper and is like oh i want to do this and you're i always feel like my job is to ask them first well what question are you trying to answer because that's that's what my job as a as a core director is is to help you answer your questions. And you may not need, you know, this super sexy technique. You might be able to get your answers with something that's much simpler, much quicker, and a lot of times much more inexpensive. Um, or you may need something that is a lot more, you know, tedious or something that is a little bit more difficult to do. And so I think that it has to be collaborative and I think that it should be collaborative. Um, and, and that's, to me, the fun part, the really fun part of running the course. I get to help people answer their scientific questions. Um, 
and help move their science forward and you know kind of help even seeing their students get their stuff done and and seeing them you know get excited about hey look this is going up this is going down we're seeing these proteins or these metabolomics and it that's that's a real real big joy in having this all it's funny you say, uh, so when we had Stephanie Colon on, um, you know, that was like her thing that she brought up is like, you don't need the astral or whatever it is, like run a Maldi. Like, and that was kind of like what we talked about yeah. a lot was like, just toss it on a Maldi. Yeah. Easier, you get an answer. <laughs> um, and so you, you mentioned you, you know, so I don't know a lot about uh, ECU, but mm-hmm. so, I mean, something I think has come up on the show. And and for me, I talk about is like, it's fun to have those researchers there. So like, Mm -hmm. do you have a, so you got a med school, Mm -hmm. I mean, do you have like a hospital associated with it? You like, do you have those kind of samples, those projects or are they? Yep. Sorry. So we have like a clinical, so, so there's a hospital. So we have a, we have researchers who are doing like clinical samples as well. So we have, we have clinical stuff coming in. We have both foundational, um, sciences research, so so departments like mine, biochemistry, your traditional basic science, foundational. We have those on the clinical end, so we're running human samples. We're running, um, you know, samples, not so much for clinical trials, but more along those lines with the IRBs. We're running, we also have like a main undergrad, grad campus too, um, so we're running more of your traditional, like, chemistry biology based research samples as well so it's it's coming all across mm-hmm. the, you know the board um so what we get varies all i mean we've had samples from anthropology department the library too so we've it, it's it's weird because you never really know what you're getting sometimes um which makes life interesting um but it also kind of keeps you on your toes too because you're always tweaking certain you have one method and then you're tweaking a little and no like you and i have talked a little about like serum like we're running now blood and serum samples for some things and then you know next day i'm running some tissue stuff which is just you know you're running the mill muscle hey this is great um so we we have all over the board things coming across and you get to see all different stages of research, which is nice. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's fun to it's fun to be involved in all these little projects um, and somehow contribute to them at some point. Um, it, you know, we have them like on this big board, and you can see, oh, you know, we've got these samples coming in for this one or this project, and and it's always people get a little amazed sometimes because they're like, oh, wait, you're, you, you know, be looking at some random project from like um, just a regular, you know, sample from maybe the chemistry department. And it's just this structure determination. And then we're looking at, a, you know, 50 blood samples coming in. And then we've got some structure thing going on where we're looking at a protein structure. So it definitely keeps you you're not bored. <laughs> but, but I, but I think that's like, I think there's, um, and, and to me, it just like seems normal, but yeah. like, I think there's people that find comfort in that. And like, like for me, like I just had to wrap up kind of like my fiscal year and you know, like I'm looking at my board and it's like, well, there was citrus, cheetah, bats, 
mm-hmm. and then like human and like that makes me smile yeah right like i'm like yeah that was a yeah. fun year yeah. you know and yeah. maybe other people are like ah but but yeah i mean i think it's it's you know again back to like your psyche like you probably you couldn't just study like neurodegenerative work all the time like that's got to get rough you know it's it's really mm-hmm. hard it's probably it's hard because it's real. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of hardness to it. And so, yeah, you throw in some other stuff probably helps. It, right. It, it is, it, especially when like, it, like looking at the neurodegenerative stuff and all that, it, it hits close to home too. And like, you know, I, like I have family members who, who are suffering and who have suffered for it. And, and when you're talking to patients and patient advocate stuff and, and it, it, it's hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And some days you feel like you're, you know, you're just coming in and you're running a gel or you're running a Western, right? And you feel like you're not making any progress, right? And you're not doing anything. And and those, you said the psyche, those are hard. Yeah. Um, and and when you're when you're in the core, and you're you're checking off and you're handing off data projects and you're saying, hey, I, I here's this for you and here's this. It's that is that that psyche that I I moved their needle forward at least. I've helped their projects and. And like you said, sometimes it, it is, you know, just running some metabolomics on, on like a, a, some blood serum for human samples. Or, or maybe we got somebody some preliminary stuff on, you know, their thing for, I don't know, what have we had? We've had rat and mice and, you know, it, it's all different stuff. But you've at least made something forward on their projects and you've helped move it forward there. And it is that you've contributed somehow. Um because day in and day out, we don't always see those big wins. And it's sometimes hard to celebrate those really small ones. Like running a gel is really hard sometimes to celebrate a small win. Yay, we have gel work, right? <laughs> you know, we tell our students sometimes, you got to celebrate the small wins. Yay, your gel work. But as PIs, you know, we don't have, we can't celebrate the small wins um, all the time like that. And I think like having that, it, it's good for your psyche. It is, or at least it's good for mine. Um, and it it helps knowing we're helping push science forward and we're helping push some of this forward somehow. Um, like leaving some sort of mark somewhere. Mm, or, right. um, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, so, honest, uh, so, so I, I have these, these, these competing thoughts in my head all the time between a core and a collaborative center, right? Mm-hmm. And it, what you're doing sounds more to me like what we would call, you know, a, a, you know, in in this area, more of a collaborative center. Mm-hmm. How much pressure do you have for re- revenue recovery? Ah, uh, so we are a fee for center. Yeah. Uh, so we are a fee for service center in that um, we need to cover our service contracts. We need to cover everything. Like so basically whatever we spend, we need to recover, right? So like service contracts, things like that. We have great institutional support. Amazing art. My, my, my institute is great for supporting us. Right. Um, but like it, stuff happens. We live and die by the grants. Right. So, so we do get paid. We have a fee structure. Um, and, and we live and die by everybody else's grants. Right. So we're, my goal every year is to cover every one of my service contracts, cover all of my consumables, cover all my specialty gases with the projects we bring in. Um, and if that doesn't happen, you know, we get, we get help. Um, but that is the goal. 
So, and we do have, you know, PIs and people who just come in and say, here's my samples. They're all great. Can you put it on the Orbi? And then we'll come back for data. And so like my job there is to just make sure we have everything tweaked and running okay. And gradients look great and everything's just kind of nice and pretty and good for them. And then we just hand them off raw data. We do have some users like that too. Um, I'd say the bulk of our users though are the ones that, know they need mass spec, they just don't know what. And so we're kind of helping them with the projects and designing them that way for them. Um, and so that is a weird, where we're kind of a weird cross between a collaborative center and a core facilities where we need to do both educate and help and still maintain service contracts and consumables and things like that. Um, and I think you can be both. Um, and, and I think you should be to a point, um, be both. I think if you're a responsible core, you should be both. You shouldn't always just charge people for what they think they want when they don't need it. Yeah, um, no, it's, no, yeah, I think that's really well explained. Yeah. No, it, but, you know, because you, you do see that some universities, they, they have these or, or maybe they're not getting as much institutional support, right? Mm -hmm. Where they they ha they don't have the time to take the higher risk projects, mm -hmm. right? Where it's like okay, and then they specialize in one specific area because that's the kind of thing that where it's turnaround revenue, it, you know, it supports the instruments, pays the people, right. and everything. So so it's you know that's that's great because because mm -hmm. you think it has to exist the way that you're saying that you know the, the way your center exists, right? Right. right. Like, it's hard to imagine that it works another way, but, but right. Sometimes it gets in the way. And I, I think we have enough, like, like turnover. It, it, there's a balance of, you know, we have enough projects, like just with our proteomics, right? Is there's mm -hmm. enough turnover. There's enough volume that you can cover certain things that you sure. can cover your service contracts and things like that for it, that it's not that big of a deal that you can take some projects that are a little more developmental, that are a little more, take a little bit longer. And if you have, again, help coming in where you can offset some of costs and things like that, there, there's ways around it and ways to work th it through. Now, ask me in five years if we're still sustainable in doing this, right? Um, let me know, <laughs> I'll let you know. But so far it's been working um, yeah. and it seems to be working well. And we're, so we have five instruments five, wow. four, four or five, five, um, that were regularly, you know, in use all the time. And it's kind of like one almost for each specialty that we have. Um, and so it's, it's interesting because you learn to be Jack on Jack of all trades on each one of them. Cause they're not all thermal. They're not all waters. They're not all Agilent's, um, Tyx's. So, but again, you need you need university support to do that. You need that. And then you need, you know, people with you and, and PIs to buy into it. And so far they have, and so far it's been good. Um, yeah. It's been a wild ride with it. Uh, yeah, like my key takeaway here that I've circled is uh, that, that it should, um, we should definitely hire students coming out of ECU. Uh, 
you should definitely look at students yeah. coming out of ECU. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So definitely look at our PhD students coming out of ECU because yeah. they have this, they learn how to do things. We are collaborative bunch so there's not this like siloed learning they will come around and they'll learn they may not always touch a button on a mass spec but i will tell you this they'll know the background behind it and it's awesome we send them back and forth between our departments and things like that um we're very we're very much a collaborative bunch and that's one of the things like i love being here about is I can send somebody up to, you know, anatomy department and they can go learn something there and then they can come down by me and learn how to express protein. And so that's, that's one of the reasons why I love been here for 11 years. It's one of the things I love about being here um, is because there is so much back and forth between us in the departments. Yeah. Super cool. Um, all right. So we, since you're talking about like being there 11 years uh, and you know what you do, so we're going to do the part where we ask you like how you got there through the M's. Now you can start wherever. I have one request since you mentioned Milwaukee. I uh-huh. want you to somehow include like the spy bar there. And oh, that's the it. spy bar. All right. But, but just if that's not part of your story, I understand. Oh. I feel like... <sighs> But tell the story. What was the name of the spy bar? Oh my god! Import export. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was import export. Was like the sign. I can't like, remember to get the in. name of the spy bar. It's been so long. I went there. On my they took me there on my twenty first birthday. Oof, it's good oh, times. it's on Water Street. So good. Oh my it's... god! I completely forgot about that. <laughs> where it's like this little alleyway door, and if you didn't know the code to get in, there was a Burt Reynolds sign in the bathroom. There's oh. so much, so much, so much going on there. It's my like favorite thing in Milwaukee. Sorry, I just oh had to god. ask. Um, okay. <laughs> go, but but how did you get to be a scientist? <laughs> uh, how did you get to be a scientist? Awesome. How um, did you get there? So just remind me at some point to mention the spy bar. Oh my God. What is it <laughs> See, I'm getting old now. I don't remember. I didn't mean to throw it off. Uh, I don't know what it's called. You, uh, and I don't want to Google it right now. Um, oh, crud. Um, so it's funny because like, and, and my parents laugh at me and remind me of this. Like when I was in kindergarten, I, you know, everybody's like, oh, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. I want to be this. I was up there like, I want to be a paleontologist. And like, everybody's like, what? Um, so like, I mean, I was always obsessed with like dinosaurs and 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 like all the sciencey nerdy stuff from like a little kid. Um, and like, I don't know, all the movies like Outbreak and all of those like were growing up. That was my thing. Like I wanted to work at the CDC. I wanted to work in like, <laughs> you know, like Virus Hunter, all of those, like the Robin the, Cook. The person football. came to my, my high school and talked. Really? The, the Outbreak person. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so cool. <laughs> From like you Red or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, um, they totally, I feel like we're living. Okay, so you want to be a paleontologist. Yeah. Viruses. Yeah, I interrupt here that that typically Ben's like you don't have to start when you're six years old, yeah. and I want to be a paleontologist, right? But yeah, and, and this is dream of the podcast realized. Right? <laughs> I knew someone would do it. You started with kindergarten. No, it's, it's so, so cool. like like I, I mean, it's always been the back, like Jurassic Park, all that stuff. Like that was always my thing and stuff. And then um, I went to a really small liberal arts college in uh, Wisconsin Lutheran College. So again, in Milwaukee. And it was not cool. at the safe house. 
called the Save House. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. So this was before I turned 21. Um, I started at WLC before I turned 21. It was my senior. I was a late birthday. So it was my senior year at WLC. We went to the Safe House, which is the spy bar. Um, But it was there like. I really learned that I loved research because I was, you know, I was going to do like the med thing. I was going to go to med school. I was going to help people. I actually wanted to be a coroner because it was. <laughs> Wait, why? That, that, sorry. Puzzles. That's... <laughs> I wanted to figure things out. Right. So I was like, I'm going to be a coroner because I can go figure out puzzles and figure out things out and help the families and all this stuff. And then I realized like, oh, this sounds horrible. I realized like. I didn't like people enough to go to med school all the time. Like, like I, I would have to go to med school and then I would have to like do all these rotations and like all this stuff. And I may not like people enough mm. to go to med school and do like all that stuff. So maybe that wasn't the best idea. And then I started doing like undergrad research a little bit and I started getting bitten by this like research bug. Um, and so I applied to grad school and I got into Marquette and started doing research and was like, okay, this is really cool. Um, and ended up not doing biochemistry research at all. Um, so I did organometallic research. Um, so ruthenium catalysts, uh, because the biochem person that I wanted to work with, the one biochem person lab was full. So it was, well, let's just try this. And I realized that that was, I was not a synthetic chemist. Um, There was no way I could do synthetic chemistry. And luckily, um, my, one of my person on my committee knew Mo Cleland out in Madison. And he said, hey, I know him. Let me see if he's hiring a postdoc. And he was. And basically took poor old me who, who had like two papers in preparation. Like when I was ready to graduate, I had one out and one that was like, we were writing and he's like, yeah, I'll take you. I can teach a chemist, the biology. Don't worry about it. Just come on out. And, uh, I went out to Madison and postdoc for like five years. And those were the most intense five years of my life. And like taught me how to be a scientist, like taught me how to like think like a scientist and like just think about everything and question everything I know and then question it again. Um, And, and that was like, then after that, I knew I wanted, I mean, I kind of knew I wanted to be a PI and then I just, and I came here, started applying for jobs like my fifth year end of my fifth year. And then I just ended up, I got an offer here and when I came in and interviewed, it felt like home. Mm-hmm. Like it just, I walked in here, I had an offer here and an offer in industry and it was like, this just feels like home. And so we came here and it's just been this crazy ride, right? Like students and teaching and tenure and, you know, going like evolving research from, you know, doing more kinetics, metabolism, to now really doing mass spec. And, you know, we used to do NMR stuff, and now we just have gone into this mass spec world. It's just, we just go where the science takes us and what we need to do and just kind of learn it and 
go with it. And it, who knows where in five, 10 years, you know, what we're going to be adding on. And that's, that's kind of how I roll with this stuff. It's, which is probably not good because we don't always have this concrete plan, but we just go with where we have to go. I think it's, like it's working. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think when you get entrenched in these like approaches, I feel that you can't move to follow the science. Yeah. Right. Like if we're like really tied to, I mean, like mm -hmm. I think if you're a person doing proteomics and you haven't done like transcriptomics or like either yeah. up or downstream in proteomics, I'm like, well, mm -hmm. what are you doing? Right. It's like, I feel like maybe you forgot to do the, and I don't mean this in a bad way to anyone, but, no. but, it, but yeah, like I'm like, if you're, if you care about the science, like, you should just be like asking questions, but hold on. So go. So, I mean, I think you bring up a fun point in your background. Like not all fields, I think, learn how to ask questions. So like if you're a synthetic mm -hmm. chemist and I don't want to downplay them, but like, it's not the same as other forms of research, right? Like you're trying to solve this puzzle, but it's not, but so, so somehow you go to math and, and is that where you get into, are you getting into neurogen or um, are you just like structural work or like, yeah. so how, did, how did you make that transition? Cause <laughs> I don't, I don't get that in five years, how you can be like yeah. doing reactions and then you're at ECU. Yeah. So in Madison, um, yeah, I don't know how I made that transition really either. Uh, it was a lot of, um, long nights. No. So, so when I was in Madison, I learned, when I got there, it was very much, we were working on uh, pyruvate carboxylase, so it was really one enzyme focused, and it was structure, function, kinetics. So Mo was steady state kinetics guy, that bye-bye, ping-pong, uni-uni, if you ever have done any of that. I like, don't know um, what you just said. <laughs> Wait, is that a password yeah. to the no, safe house? Ping-pong, uni-uni, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B. So if you look like, at sorry. any of the, like, he was the guy who came up with, like, the whole naming conventions for, like, steady state kinetics. No. Right? Yes. Not I only did he come up, yes, not only was it, like, DTT, like, Cleland's reagent. Yeah. Like, he was, like, the steady state kinetics guy. Like, yeah. Like if it by by is like two substrates coming in, ping pong mechanism. One substrate comes in, product releases a ping and a pong. Yes, like big name, like steady yeah. state kinetics. Yeah. Right. People Honestly. on the podcast can see my face. Yes, I, like, I don't know what you're saying. Oh. I don't. I'm not like wildly <laughs> gesturing with my hands here. Um, well, one of the things where where when when you said that, it's something I just assumed was like had been dead for a really long time when, um, you, were, he, when you were a postdoc, right? Like yeah. it, it seems like a, a, a figure out of history of chemistry that, that is it. But, so yeah. he passed away um, probably three years, two years after I started here. So maybe 2014, 15. Okay. So it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that long. Yeah, and Morbid is, I mean, more of like, I thought that, you oh. know, he was with Louis Pasteur, right? <laughs> it, but she's so she's studying with like a yeah. living relic, basically, is what but, you're concerned well, about. <laughs> well, no, no, I just mean like, yeah, yeah. No, this is this is undergrad, you know, yeah. textbook stuff, and it's like, wait, yeah, the three BBA papers for kinetics for this kinetic stuff came out, I think, in the early 60s, I want to say yeah. like 63. So, you're like famous, basically, mm -hmm. Tanya. No, because you got to hang out there. <laughs> I was, I was his last. I was the last postdoc to go through his lab. I was his last postdoc. That's pretty cool. Um, so, so I learned kinetics there, right? So I learned again. I'm like, I told, I'm like this. I'm an enzymologist, biophys chemist. Like this is my thing. Like that, and like, 
you know, Delta G's and like unfolding and all that stuff. Delta like, G double dagger. Yes. See, Delta, 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 <laughs> you know, that, that's my, that's, that's my jam, man. So that's, that's what I do. But so like he, so I came in, I learned how that was like the first time like inorganic metals were more than just things like D10, D10 orbitals. That's where you used to purify proteins now. Mm. Right. I'd never touched protein before. I, Oh, I hate saying this. I never took a biochem course in like <laughs> grad school. Okay. Like it was like some NMR, like I ran our, our NMR core in grad school. Like it did NMR, you know, I did board swaps. I knew how to do all that stuff. So I was an NMR jockey, but like, I never really did protein stuff until I went to grad school. And so I did all this kinetic stuff, started working on the biochem, learned the biochem, learned like all that. And I was, it was pretty entrenched in like metabolism. Cause that's the protein that I worked on was like key in metabolism. Right. So we worked on PC and it had allosteria and swinging arms of cooperativity, which I really loved. Mm. And so I took that with me. When I came, you know, he Mo was like, well, I'm pretty much done. We got a structure. You can take that with you. And then I took another protein that like was in neuro, like a protein that was kind of heavy in neuro. So I was like, well, that's my back burner project for when I get tenure because it's pretty high risk. And so when we got here, we just really hammered the metabolism because it was safe and we get his papers and I liked it still. And it was great. And we had everything worked out and the metabolism stuff was cool, but then I got kind of bored with it. Um, and so once we got, once I got tenure, I was like, we're going after these intrinsically disordered proteins because they're way cooler and they're way more interesting and they're a pain in the butt to deal with, but they're so much more fun and there's so much more is me being selfish because yeah, I want to have fun doing this, but they are so much more like, there's so much more not known about them and they need to be studied. Mm. Um, so yeah, no, no, but yeah. And also, no one wants to work. No one else wants to work with intrinsically disordered proteins. Right. Right. Like, because I mean, they're a pain in the body. Yeah, no. Yeah. You look at them cross-eyed and they follow a solution. You have the same protocol that you diligently follow and they're not the same all the time. Um, yeah but they're so much fun and they're so cool and they behave so crazy. And like, if you can give a protein respect, they have like my utmost respect and they do so much like they're everywhere and you need them. And then they go rogue. And for some reason they go rogue in people and we don't know why. And if we can figure out why, like maybe we can just stop them from going rogue. That is, that is, Maybe somebody else smarter than me can figure out how to stop them. We just want to tell them why people are going, why they're going wrong. Um, mm. So, so yeah, so that's like how we. That makes more sense as yeah. Yeah, he walked me through it. Yeah. And, and, you know, something, and I mean, not to like, I mean, that's, I, I love it because like, I feel in this, my, this is just like my vibe is when I look around, you know, we're, we're drifting into like this stamp collecting era again, right? Mm -hmm. Like where we're just kind of like catalog, catalog, all these proteins. And and then I just look at the list and yeah, we got quant, we got PTMs, we, we know all this stuff, but like, like what you're saying, like there's all this function stuff that we're not actually capturing. And like, right. that's kind of a big deal. Yep. And it's, it's not that I don't think we need to be doing all this other stuff and it's important and it's probably right. 
not we it's foundational but sometimes i wonder if like we're just missing everything because mm-hmm. we're obsessed with this like way that we can catalog it but like maybe that's not important i mean again i don't want to say that but yeah no and i think too that there is an importance in like the capturing and the cataloging and like any ptm is going to change how something functions how it folds how it wiggles how it moves and that's you know that's where you have neil coming in too with like this whole proteoform atlas right yeah and and the whole proteoform project and then it's well what is that proteoform and then taking it the next step further is well what is that proteoform fold function and then interact Right. And then how does that interaction or maybe how does that interaction inform function? Right. And then how does that function maybe inform the dynamics? See, I'm a, I, I love the dynamics. I love the wiggles and the jiggles and the cooperativity and the allosterity. And then if you're talking about like these IDPs, right, these intrinsically disordered proteins and hate the word misfolding. Right. I hate it when they say an IDP is misfolded and intrinsically disordered protein is misfolded because they really they have so many thousands of folds. Right. Because you get secondary structures, so they're not really misfolded. We don't know what they should be folded as, so you can't really be misfolded. And it's semantics at this point. Right. But like what? Like we don't know what is that PTM going to do and why? And then how does it make it all work? Like, how do we connect all these dots? And then how can we do it on a bigger scale? Because just one protein isn't going to do it. And that that's really where we are, I think. And, and so, and, and I'm going to, I don't know, Jack, about this, but I know it's <laughs> one of my favorite things that I love to watch Ron Beavis talk about. Right. And, and like, I feel like, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but it seems like the conclusion he's getting towards is that there's not like hard rules like he always likes to call PTMs like it's more of like a spackle, something, yeah. something spackle approach. And then he looks at these, he's like, it's not a thing. Like we want to make these rules and these, and these, what? these labels. And he's yeah. like, but it's not, right. but I, I don't know anything, but it's that, right. I mean, that's kind of where you're going. Like, but that's got to make it hard. It does. Right? Like you're devoting all this time, mm-hmm. but there's not maybe rules that you can even extrapolate. And that's, that's yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like it, you, you, you look at the literature a lot, too, and, and you always start to question, well, okay, so we see increases in maybe phosphorylation, or we see decreases in this, and that makes this go to here, or that, you know, makes these proteins fall out of solution, right? And you're getting these plaques and these tangles. And now it's even, well, wait, we don't think that the plaques and the tangles, the stuff that's like hard chunks, are actually what's causing anything. It's well before. And that's that's really where we're looking at too, is like mm-hmm. the soluble stuff. And we're like, well, what if those aren't even causing anything, right? So how do you poke and prod there? How do you how do you poke, poke, poke? And and of course mass spec's the best way to do it, but then how do we know mass spec wise we're not losing it, right? How do we know we're not blowing like beavis too? How do we know we're not blowing something off? How do we know we're not and, and yeah, we can do some of this stuff with HDX, but then how fast do we have to go, right? So now we're looking at Derek Wilson and stuff where we're doing milliseconds, right? Or GT Wilson, where we're going millisecond HDX, but can we do that in a tissue? Can we do that in vivo? Or can we, like, there's all this we don't know, and we're going best guess right now. And that's all we can do until we get the next best guess, right? And, and that it's, it's infuriating for someone like me who wants 
this is my answer. But it's also like I've learned to come back a step and be like, this is what we've got right now. And it makes sense. And this is where we can have it. This is the best guess we have right now. This is the best answer we have right now. And it makes the most sense. And now here's the next step of where we're going to try to figure out. But it's, it's almost like you with your background, though, like it's perfect because it's almost like because you built up the way you built, it's like you're always coming from like this first principles, like you're trying to extrapolate to a proteome or a system, mm-hmm. but you've got. The, and I mean, that's that's yeah. I, I mean, you are uniquely made for <laughs> this thing. <laughs> like we always talk yeah. about, like, oh, I've got this weird background. I was a paleontologist, <laughs> but like you might be like perfect, <laughs> right? Like yeah, I, it feels that way. Can you tell the NIH that? Yeah, oh, I'll tell you. They One of our five listeners, I'm sure, is a program officer. I'm hoping so at some point because those are going in soon. Um, no, I mean, it, it's good and it's bad coming that way because you're trying not to get stuck in the weeds, right? From this first, person, first principles analysis, you're really trying hard not to be like the chemistry is there. The interactions are there. The The fundamental entropy, enthalpy, wigglings make sense. Because you, you, the, the, those weeds, man, and the clinicians look at you sometimes and they're like, no, man, this is, it's a human. It's the person. I don't care about the atoms wiggling. And I want to be able to put the atoms wiggling help. And, and so you, you come at it in the middle and I... Like it's hard. It's hard. Sure. It's hard to look at it. Big picture, small picture, big picture. And I'm hoping, I hope that that's, that's where I'm hoping to bridge a gap and bring it all together. Because I think right now we're so sideload that bridging all of that together, the clinics, the middle, and that first principles that we can bridge it all together. And then we're just missing those pieces. Um, that's my soapbox on that one though. No, I, I, I think that was really great. And I think, you know, we need all these perspectives. That's so fun to see somebody right in the middle though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck in the quagmire in the middle and hopefully we can get it out and sorted. And I like the quagmires though, because if it was easy, I'd get really bored really fast. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay, maybe that's your soundbite. <laughs> um, well, I, I think we're up against our, our, our time. But uh, so thank you, Dr. Tanya uh, Zazeki. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, cool. Um, so this is part where we do the credits. Uh, views expressed are solely ours, not our employers or institutions or US UPO. We want to thank US UPO for sponsoring us again. Uh, Johannes for our um, intro exit song, Kaylee Kirkwood for the artwork. You can email us, and one day we may read them on the air at theproteomichshow at gmail.com. Uh, like, subscribe. Uh, and again, Tanya, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. <laughs> <laughs>